All right. Well, hey, my name is Jeff Baker. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. Glad you guys can be here with us today. Um, it was a joy being down in Haiti just a little while ago and making some of these videos. I was there for a much larger purpose than making the videos. Uh, actually, I was there because of Convoy of Hope, and I told them the only way I would go is if you make me these videos. So um, it was a little bit of a negotiation with them, and they said that they would do that for me. So anyways, uh, there you go. That's the deal. Hey, we are in a teaching series where we're looking at the invisible needs in our community as well as the invisible needs in our world. Today, we're going to be focusing in on an issue called poverty. Uh, poverty is probably out of this entire series one of the closest, um, most ravaging needs that go invisible to the common uh, American. We don't live in a country that's necessarily ravaged with poverty. We actually have the privilege of living in a country that has the largest middle class on the planet. Um, many countries have hardly any little, little to no middle class, meaning that there's just the extreme rich and then there's the extreme poor. So if you haven't really been outside of our country recently and you haven't put yourself into environments like a third world country, which probably doesn't show up on your natural vacation radar, then uh, you probably haven't seen it. You've watched it on the news, but you've thought to yourself, you know, how, how large and how massive can the need of poverty be? Well, the need of poverty is it's a, it's a, a massive need. It's not only massive in the world, it's actually massive here in our backyard in Buffalo County. Um, maybe, uh, maybe where you live, you don't experience poverty. Maybe down the street, you don't experience poverty, but in our community, we do. In fact, the need of poverty is, is so close to us that poverty is even found right here in our church. Um, that person could be a person that's in poverty, living underneath the, the wages that our government declares as being, you know, in poverty. They, they live underneath those things. They, uh, they have refrigerators that, you know, they're not sure where all the food's going to come from. They have bills that stack up where they're not sure where all the money's going to come from for the bills. Uh, they live on the edge of uncertainty with no emergency accounts, no money in savings, checking accounts that get down to zero every single month or week by week as they hold a job that gets paid in that manner. But those people may be sitting right down the row from you. So as we talk about the issue of poverty today, I want to both be sensitive to the fact that there are folks that are here living in poverty. This message is not a message to bring condemnation on you. Uh, this is a message today to un uh, uncover the, the heart of God towards poverty. That's what it is today. And it's, it's a message that should motivate us and it should encourage us to bring change to the best of our ability. Because whether you are, are currently living in poverty or you're living as one of the 1%, the richest people on the planet, Depending on which end of the spectrum you fall in, the message of the heart of God towards, towards poverty is the same for all of us. You see, that's the unique thing about God. God's message doesn't just speak to the rich when he's dealing with, when he's dealing with poverty. God's message of poverty or his heart towards poverty is also speaking to those who are in poverty. So that's a unique thing. A couple of years ago, I was standing on the corner of 24th and Leavenworth, downtown Omaha. This is where my wife and I had chose to live for three years before, before coming here. Um, in January, it will be about one year that we've been here. So um, four years ago, we moved into a poverty-ravaged uh, neighborhood, a, a neighborhood that's blighted. It's a, it's a neighborhood that once used to have authentic life, and now it just has people running the streets like, like rats many times, unfortunately. 
And so we did a lot of ministry down there and a lot of unique things that we tried to do. And many of you actually came and you helped us plant a church in that neighborhood um, on a missions trip. Uh, one of maybe three times that you came. And so God was working and doing unique things. And one of the, one of the things that we, we experimented with that just started working really, really well was we would go to this corner on 24th and Leavenworth where I had this small little parking lot in front of a thrift store, a Lutheran thrift store that decided that we were safe and that they would work with us. And they let us use the parking lot. We would do all kinds of things in that parking lot. This day, I was down there and I was experimenting for the very first time of doing a coffee shop on the corner of 24th and Leavenworth. Yeah, everybody likes coffee. Um, it, was in the, it was in the fall time, it was about this time of the year. And I, I thought, if I could just go to a bakery and get all of their leftover bakery goods, then I can make coffee really cheap and we can have hot chocolate. We can set up some tables that I had just across the street in a storefront that I used periodically. And I had tables and chairs over there that had been given to me and donated to me by corporations in Omaha. I'll take those tables and chairs and we'll carry them across the street. We'll set them up in this little parking lot. We'll put up a little sound system. Someone will play a guitar and sing some songs. I'll get up every once in a while and just kind of welcome people, make sure that everything's going good. But we'll take time to share stories around the table. And we'll let everybody that's there just kind of share their story, where they came from, and, you know, how they got to where they are. And some of the stories, as we sat there and we listened to them, tears would just flow down people's faces as, you know, someone from West Omaha, or like a Carney scenario, would be sitting there with a person that has grown up and lived in a poverty-ridden neighborhood, and they had no idea the type of uphill battle this person's been living they had no idea how this person saw the world and as they sat around these tables and they shared with each other about how they each saw the world and you know the struggles that each of them came from there was this unique bonding that took place where tears flowed well somewhere towards the end as we were tearing down this man came walking down the street he was obviously homeless you could spot him from a mile away i mean they wore all their clothing on their body, so it's multiple layers thick. You know, their face, their face is covered with grime, and their hands, you know, they just don't have a natural tent to them anymore with the, the dirt that's soaked into the skin, and underneath the fingernails are just pitch black. Pockets are bulging, items are hanging off of their body, and they're just, they carry everything that they own with them. This man came walking down the street corner. I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, you know, go, go talk to this man. And so I step out and I meet him, and his name is Joseph. Joseph is from Ireland. He's got a really strong uh, accent. It was kind of fun to talk to. He was a lively man with a lot of jokes and a lot of stories of which I can't tell you any of them. Um, <clears throat> even if I could remember them, you probably wouldn't want to hear them. Joseph and I just began to talk, and I said, Joseph, we were down here. We've got some cookies left over and some coffee. Would you like some? He said, absolutely, and we got it. And I sat down with him on the curb of this parking lot while the rest of my team tore down the stuff. Joseph and I talked for the next hour. I heard most of his story. He shared things with me, and I shared things with him. And we seriously sat there and talked for about an hour. It was a very, it was a very uh, unique moment. I've been on the streets a lot, and... Uh, you don't often get a moment like what was happening right before me. And I sensed, um, I sensed the Holy Spirit saying, I'm doing something in this conversation. You just stay here and you just be obedient to me. And as the conversation went on, all of a sudden, it's like the lights came on inside of Jeff Baker's heart. 
And as, as, as I was trying to love him the best I could, I realized why I was sitting there that day. And that was because I was supposed to ask the man a question. And at the end, towards the end of our conversation, I, I got this question that's just boiling inside of me that I'm going, I'm fighting with on the inside. Like, should I ask it? No, this is ridiculous. Why am I going to ask this question? How's this guy going to help me? And then, boom, before I know it, like typical Jeff Baker style, you know, what I'm thinking in my head comes out of my mouth. And hopefully it's been filtered. Um, and out of my mouth comes Joseph. You know, I'm a pastor and I, I, I love people and I want to know how to love people better. Would you be willing just to tell me what, what's some of the best things that I as a pastor could do? And if I could motivate people to volunteer and to be a part of meeting needs on the streets of Omaha, Joseph, from your wisdom and from your perspective, you know, what, what would you tell me that I have to do? This is what Joseph said to me. He said, find us in the alley around 3 a.m. and bring us some soup to fill our bellies. Bring us some coffee to warm our bodies. Bring us a blanket and help us when we're sick. When you're in the alley, take time to hear our story. Find us in the alley at three. This is exactly what he told me. Find us in the alley at three. Bring us some food to fill our bellies and some coffee to, to warm our bodies. Bring us a blanket. When we're sick, help us minister to, help us, help us meet those needs. But when you're there, don't just give us stuff. Take time to hear our story. Those, those words penetrated my heart that day. I spent a few more minutes with Joseph and then I said, man, I've got to, I've got to go, but what can I do for you? Do you need to get someplace? He goes, I need to get to the homeless shelter. I said, okay, well, let's go. Are you hungry? Yeah, I am. Let's go. We ran through Burger King. What do you want? And he just wanted a couple of simple cheeseburgers. And we got a couple of cheeseburgers. And we, we rode down to the homeless shelter. And we sat in fran- front of the St. Francis house where they were at the time of checking people in that night. And Joseph and I, I get out of the car and we sit on the curb. And he eats his cheeseburgers. And we talked just for a couple more moments. At the end of that time, I literally say to Joseph, Joseph, is there anything else I can do for you today? You've been such a blessing to me. Is there anything else I can do for you? And the man stands up and with his thick Irish accent, he says to me, can I, just, can I just get a hug? And I wrap my arms around the man and we stand in front of the homeless shelter and I just embrace him. And the stench of a homeless man fills my nostrils. The clothing, you wonder to yourself, is my clothing now going to smell like this? But at that one moment of that hug, something bombarded my mind again of why this man came into my life and why God said, you minister to this man today. Because as I was holding that man, it's like the Holy Spirit whispered into my ear, you're holding Jesus. Matthew 25, 35 and 36. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. Right? I was in prison and you visited me. Would you please just quote that scripture with me? For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty. I was a stranger. Right? I was naked. 
and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison. Very good. Very good. Now, would you please take the rest of this week to memorize that? Because next week, at some point in my message, I'm going to quote that scripture again. And I would love to never have to put that scripture slide up there. Because you memorized it. And as I started to quote it, you quote it with me. Because there's something powerful about that passage. I don't know how much of the Bible Joseph knew. I know that we talked about Jesus. But I know that the advice Joseph gave me came right out of Matthew 25, verses 35 and 36. It's the basic needs of humanity. And God's calling you and me to meet the basic needs of humanity. But unfortunately, the needs of humanity, this poverty issue, goes invisible to us. But there are homeless people like Joseph that are living in Buffalo County. They're living in Kearney. There are homeless people like Joseph that are living around the world. And there's many, many people that are poor. We, I refer to them as the working poor. There's the working poor that fill up our communities. The working poor, the poverty of the one who goes to McDonald's and works their fingers to the bone to bring money home to take care of their three children. When their children are sitting at home not having anyone watch them because they don't have enough money to have, you know, child care for their kids. So their kids are going to school, the kids are getting a meal at school, Um, kids are maybe getting a breakfast at school, and then mom or dad is trying to work their tail off to make sure that there's a roof over the head and the bills are paid just so that they can eat a healthy dinner. But all the extra amenities of life are washed away. The budget of the working poor is stripped down and it's slim. Oh yes, obviously, the working poor are the power of our communities. You know, um, yeah, sure there are addiction issues. Sure, they're ravaged with concepts that that seems like it holds them in bondage. Sure, it seems as if maybe there's laziness or whatever word you want to put on it. Sure, it seems that there are those things, and yes, there are. But those things, they ravish every person in every society group, all the way to the very rich. Just look at some of the very rich children. Tell me you don't find laziness. So these issues aren't an issue of just poverty. They're an issue of humanity. But there's this working poor group that God even calls us to. And he says, meet those needs. And in Buffalo County and in uh, Nebraska, so inside of our state, inside of this little community in which we live, there was a survey that was done back in 2011 that shows the fact that this statistic has been proven in multiple different surveys. 14% of people that live in Buffalo County are considered to be in poverty. 14% of them. That's a pretty high number out here in the middle of the heartland, in the middle of the, the, the breadbasket of the world. That's a large number, 14%. That, that means that literally, you know, within just a matter of you probably walking in Kearney, you could walk past the home of someone living in poverty. That means that when you go into the store to do your shopping, most likely you're pushing your cart and you're pushing your cart right by someone who's living in poverty. That means that you're driving your car, and as you're driving your car, and some other car passes you, that car was someone that is living in poverty right here in Buffalo County. Have you noticed it? Have you seen it? Have you experienced it? Have you helped meet its need? Many times, the working poor, that 14% in Buffalo County, they go invisible to us. No longer. 43 people last night slept in our homeless shelter, Crossroads Mission. 
that has been full since the day it opened. I know that they have two sites. Both sites are, are packed out. I know that the one in Kearney has a waiting list. I also know, based on my conversations that I had, that not only are there 43 people that live there every single night because that's all that they can have stay based on you know rules and regulations, but yet they're able to take people in for 12 to 24 hours and many more people are dropped off every single night. Inside of my life group, I have one of the police officers in town. And he says on a regular evening, they are picking people up and they're either dropping them off at that shelter or they're using funds that have been donated, given by Salvation Army and others, and they put them up in cheap hotels around our community. So there's not just 43 homeless people, but they're also seeing more and more people show up at food banks. The greatest increase of people using food banks are people that live in the middle class neighborhoods. This is all across America. All across America, the greatest, the greatest use of food banks right now, increase-wise, isn't happening in our impoverished communities. It's happening in our middle-class communities. That means it's happening here in Kearney, that there's a great need of food and there's a short, shortage of money, but there's also a misappropriation of funds, and I understand that. That's why we do financial peace here, to try to help people. But we have 14%, and the number seems to be increasing of people that live in poverty. Inside of Nebraska... You might find this interesting. 96,700 children inside of Nebraska have no idea where their next meal is going to come from. That, that literally means that they go to the food pantry and they open it up and there's nothing but maybe one can or there's nothing but a ramen noodles. Or they open the refrigerator up and there's, there's nothing but maybe some stale milk or a couple of things here or there. If you've been in any of those homes, it just cuts you to the quick. Your, your soul just... It just, it just screams with this, it's insanity. Why, why people have to live that way? But of these 96,000 children, that's normal for them. That's become their norm. Inside of our world that we live in, this planet that we live on, did you realize that half of the world's population, half of the world's population, there's seven point some billion people on our planet, half of them live on $2.50 a day or less. And if you really want to have something that shocks you, then you need to understand that 80% of the world, 80% of the world lives, at, lives on 10 American dollars or less every day. 80% of the world. So if you live on more than $10 a day, what group does that put you in? Put you in the minority. That's what it puts you in. You're not the majority. This little utopia that we live in here called America is not the majority. It's the minority. 80% of the world, was that their choice? I'm sure we can drive to some certain parts of neighborhoods or certain parts of our own state or drive into the downtown part of Omaha and you can drive through there and you can try to judge based on, you know, behavior and, you know, habits and different things. You can judge people and say, you didn't have to live that way. But does 80% of the world's population have to live that way? Is that what they chose? Is that, is that what they really went after in life? Did they wake up one day, one morning, and say, you know what I want to do? I, I just want to really be poor. I, you know what I want to do? I want to suffer for my next meal. You know what I want to do? I, I just want to live in a hut. You know what? I, no, they didn't choose those things. That's what, that's what life has dealt them. 900 million people are hungry on our planet right now. 900 million of them. That's one in every eight people are hungry right now. No, and it's not the kind of hunger that I get at lunchtime where I just go, man, I'm starving. Or you get when you're at lunchtime, man, I'm starving. No, this is real hunger. This is the kind of hunger that's also causing malnutrition. 
Because poor, poor nutrition cause, is the cause of 5 million children dying every single year. 5 million. 13,000 13, some every day. 5 million children are dying every single year because of malnutrition. So what is it that Jesus is telling us to do when it comes to this need about poverty and hungry? Because I don't know about you, but when I hear things like that, that is overwhelming to me. I have a hard time even putting it all together. 80% of the world lives in $10 or less every single day. That's hard for me to package that and put it all together. So what is it that Jesus would say to us? He would say things like Matthew chapter 25, verse 40. He would say, I tell you the truth that when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, that you were doing it to me. When you did what? When you fed the hungry, when you took care of the thirsty, when you invited the stranger to ride in your car with you to Burger King, when you put clothing on the ones who had no clothes, when you helped take care of the sick, and when you visited those in prison, when you helped take care of the poor, you were doing it as unto me. So what is God's heart towards the poor anyways? What is God's heart? Because we're going to need to know it if we're going to make any kind of a difference. First thing that you need to know about God's heart, this might blow you away too, is that there's 2,000 scriptures that God has written in his word that deal with the plight of the poor. 2,000 of them. I'm not going to, we're not going to go through all 2,000 today. Is that okay? All right, are we good with that? But what can I do with those 2,000? I'm going to try to give you the nuts and the bolts of God's heart for those 2,000 so that you and me can understand what God's heart really is. To start our journey, let's look at Isaiah 40, verses 29. It says that he, meaning God, gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Power to the weak, strength to the powerless. The first thing you need to know about God is that God hasn't gone, he hasn't, the poverty issue in God's eyes hasn't gone unnoticed. And that God's heart very much goes to the powerless. That God's heart very much goes to the weak. God has a tender spot in his heart for those who are truly in poverty. Not the ones who are foolishly in poverty. God brings other correction to them. But the ones who are truly in poverty. The ones right now, those 900 million who don't know where the next meal is going to come from, who are hungry. God says, I, I want to I encourage you. I want to strengthen you. I want to do something radical in your life. God's heart very much reaches out to the poor. What is God's solution for the poor? To supernaturally meet their needs. How does God supernaturally meet their needs? Sometimes he causes the grain that they grow to produce more than the normal. Other times he uses the 20% to minister the needs of the 80%. God can use you and me to help minister to those who are weak and to those who are powerless if we're willing to let something that's been invisible to us gain our sight again and get inside of our picture and just our hearts begin to pray and our spirits begin to jump out and we begin to say, God, how can we help be a part of the solution of ministering to the weak and to the powerless? But that's not where it ends. Proverbs fourteen thirty one: the journey of God's heart in these 2,000 scriptures continues and he says this to us. If you mistreat the poor, then you insult your creator. And if you are kind to them, then you show him, meaning God, you show him respect. If you mistreat the poor, you insult your creator. But when you're kind to them, then what you're really doing is you're saying, God, I respect you. What does it mean to mistreat the poor? Have you ever mistreated the poor? To mistreat the poor, based on this passage of Scripture, would literally mean that you would have to manipulate them 
or take advantage of them. You'd have to come purposefully to steal from them. And there's a lot that's happening in our world where we're stealing from the little bit that the poor have. Let me give you one example. The lottery. The lottery is a wicked attack on the poor. Dave Ramsey says it this way. He says the lottery is a tax on the poor. There's this hope that maybe if I spend a dollar, I'll make a million. And we, through this whole process, we throw up our nice little commercials and we talk about how, you know, the lottery helps to send this kid to college and it does this good and it does that good. But in the the core of it, it's cutting quick at the poor and it's ravaging them. I lived next to the poor who would go get their check at the beginning of the month and then go waste like 20 bucks on lottery tickets. You don't have 20 bucks to waste on lottery tickets when you don't have a job. It's just one thing. But if you're not mistreating the poor, then congratulations. That's not where you want to be. I'm just telling you, based on God's heart, you don't want to be found as a person who's manipulating or taking advantage of the poor. What you want to be found is the person that he talks about when he says, be kind to them. To be kind to them, that, that word there literally means to show them honor with mercy. What would it mean to show the poor honor with mercy? What would that even look like? Could it look like sitting on the curb with someone and hearing their story when that hour of your life could have been spent doing something completely different? Does that show honor? Yes. Does honor also mean what's your opinion? Just because someone's poor doesn't mean someone doesn't have an opinion. Just because someone's poor doesn't mean they don't have a story. Just because someone's poor doesn't mean they don't have wisdom. Could it mean that honor the poor would be to harvest their wisdom? To hear their story? To sense with compassion and mercy their plight? Just to get inside of their shoes for a moment? If you could walk in the shoes of someone who lives in poverty, I think that your whole mindset of poverty would transform and it would change like it did for Kim and I, who spent three years living right there in the neighborhood. Things would radically change. But to show honor to them and mercy to them would not mean to just give them money, just to foolishly waste. That was the last thing that I did. The last thing I did was just give money on the streets because I realized money on the streets was typically going to something that was going to be wasted. But to meet real needs was to show real mercy. To come alongside and to honor them and to know where they were at. That's what God's calling you and me to do with this invisible need called poverty with this 14% that live right here in our community. To find them and to harvest that out of them. To tell them how much we care about them. But the journey continues in 1 John. 1 John 3.17 says, If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or a sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Wow, that actually is speaking to not just the 20%, that's speaking to anyone. That's even speaking to the poor. Some of the most generous people I've ever met in my life have been the poor. Many times I was invited into their homes to sit down to share a meal, knowing that I know they don't have enough. Many times they would be given food and they would have such a surplus of it that they would come to me and say, Jeff, do you need some? I have, I have too much. They, I have too much bread. I have too much milk. I have, there's too much meat. I don't have enough room in my freezer. I was just given this, do you need some? Great generosity, great caring of needs, looking out for, you know, stopping to hear my story. So this, if you have enough, doesn't just speak to the rich. It speaks to all of us. 
all of us at one time or another have enough? And are we looking for the needs of others, brothers and sisters? Number one, looking inside of your family. Many of you have family members that would be considered poor, and you sit around and you complain about them and you judge them more than maybe showing compassion like God's called us to. How do I know that? Because it happens in my family, and I'm guilty of it. That's why I know that. I know the conversations that happen around my dinner table. I know the way that I personally have a tendency to look at some of my, my own relatives who live in poverty. I know what my mind does. I know where my heart goes. And I have to combat that and I have to fight against that because there's many times I have enough and they have little and it, God's asking me to give. And when I don't give, wow, my heart grows just a little bit more cold. The guy goes on in Psalms 41 and he says these words. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. Because in the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. <laughs> Blessed are you when you minister to the poor. Because whether you know it or not, a day of trouble might be coming your way. Because you don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what comes right around the corner. I know that as a personal issue. That means when you minister to the poor and then you're in need, you'll find that God moves alongside your heart. Why? Because you're working in cooperation with god that word there blesses the one who considers the poor consider the poor that means to literally have insight or to ponder or to understand the plight of the poor to consider it to have insight into it to ponder it to let it soak into your mind and to think about what it means to be poor and what it means to suffer like they do suffer but it also means to take action with devotion and with prudence Action that has devotion to it with prudence, meaning thinking of the future. Not just thinking about the current need, but how can you truly help them? Tim and I did this all the time. Whether we would help someone create a budget with their finances, or we would help someone with a computer and we would teach them how to do basic computer skills like search and set up emails for them and help them get onto social media sites like um, Facebook or Twitter or something like that so they can interact with some friends or some neighbors because they could go down to the library and use the computers for free, but they didn't know how to use the computer. Or we would teach them basic parenting techniques. Many, many times we even considered the plight of the poor when we heard that maybe one of their stepchildren was going to come and visit. And I had a friend that this took place. His stepchild was going to come and, uh, and visit him. And during that stay, there was a birthday party that needed to happen. But there was no extra money for a birthday party. So just to minister to those basic needs of going, here's 50 bucks, I'm going to take you. You buy, you buy a present for them. My wife is going to help make, bake a cake. And we're just going to give you the goods. We don't have to be there. It's not about us. It's just about making you look good. <laughs> making you feel good. Building you up and giving you, giving you the resources to be a good earthly dad considering the poor, getting inside of their head and of their heart and figuring out what their needs are and ministering to them. So how can we really team up with God's heart and meet the needs of the poor? How can we do that? Well, there's a lot of things we can do, and I want to tell you about those over these next couple of minutes. But before we do that, back in April, April 12th and the 13th, many of you helped serve this Feed My Starving Children initiative here in Kearney, where thousands of us linked together and we made 500,000 meals for the poor in Haiti. Any, who, who participated in that? Okay. All right, man. Look at you guys. A lot of hands. Good. Good for you guys. When I was in Haiti, I hunted down some of the meals 
that, uh, that, we, that we made. Take a, look, take a look at what I found. Okay, everybody. Well, back in April 12th and the 13th, we were packaging meals called Feed My Starving Children. And right behind me here are some of the Feed My Starving Children boxes. I'm standing in Haiti right now in a large warehouse that feeds 60,000 children every single day with some of the meals that you and me help to package. Uh, we t- the Feed My Starving Children partner with Convoy of Hope to get those meals down here, and then they also work with Mission of Hope to make sure that those children get fed. Right up above me, right up there, yeah, right up there is a container marked April 1313. Potentially, that came straight from Carney right here to Haiti. So I just want to tell everyone, thanks for all your efforts, thanks for all your giving, thanks for serving on April 12th and the 13th because those meals are helping to feed children and changing the next generation for Jesus. That was just one thing that we've done. I got later, uh, later I was able to help um, serve those very meals in some of the orphanages and schools that we went to to see what the initiative of Convoy of Hope was doing in Haiti to feed starving children. Uh, another way that you can participate, though, is in your bulletin. It's with our missions trips. We have missions trips that are going to be happening in the month of March. Uh, let me just highlight one, not because I'm the leader of it, but because of what just happened last Friday. Um, we, one of the trips that we're taking is to the Philippines. Uh, in the Philippines, which is a nation of 1,700 islands, it just so happens that the place, the two islands uh, that we're going to were the ones hit hardest by this recent typhoon. The city of Tacloban is where we're going to be going. And uh, then out onto the island of Samar um, is the other place that we're going. So if you would, please just keep praying for uh, the Philippines as um, they just got ravaged. And it looks like thousands or tens of thousands of people have died. Uh, there's another way that you can help meet the needs of the poor and team up with God's heart. And that is through an initiative that we're going to do starting next Sunday called One Day to Feed the World. We talked a little bit about it last week, but one day to feed the world is you giving up one day's worth of wages to feed starving people in the world. Take a look at this. When I grow up, I want to be a policeman. Fight hunger and help kids dream big dreams. A hundred and twenty-five thousand kids, kids like Alexander, have hope for a brighter future through Convoy of Hope's Children's Feeding Initiative. When you commit to one day, you decide to brighten their everyday and show them the love of Jesus. This this one day to feed the world initiative is going to be huge. You're going to be given a name tag next week in your bulletin. Um, there's going to be extras for every person, and you're going to be able to write on there that I'm working to feed the world today. And when you go to work, it's going to give you an opportunity to share your faith with others. It's going to give you an opportunity to sense a little bit of the significance of ministering to others. If you really want to take it to an extreme, then maybe what you want to do is just get like a, just a little bit of rice that day and uh, make it that morning before you go to work and just make that your only meal that you eat that day. Um, you can go on to the internet and see what the average amount of food is that a poor, the person living in poverty eats. And maybe you want to work that day and you just want to eat 
that amount. Or maybe you want to work that day and you want to fast that day and just not eat anything like maybe the 900,000, um, the, high, the 900 million people, excuse me, that are living today that are hungry. Maybe you want to maybe make it a little more personal like that. But you'll hear more about it next week as we look into um, ministering to the invisible need of slavery or the invisible need of human trafficking. There's some other ways, though, that you can cultivate your heart to look more like God with your version app. If you have a U, if you use the version app, the app that we put our sermon notes on, it also has in there, you know, many different Bibles. So carrying version means that you're carrying like 30 or 40 Bibles written in English, not to mention all the other translations, right there in your smartphone or on your tablet device. But you can also use version for some of its reading plans. Alright, so to use it for some of its reading plans, you have to click on the left-hand side of your smartphone device, go down to where it says plans, and then you click on plans, and then up comes this next slide, where you would want to click on browse plans down at the bottom, and then lastly, this, this page comes up, where you'll want to click in the search window up here, and you'll want to type, you'll want to type, you'll want to type these words, <laughs> heart of God toward the poor. Don't leave out any words. Don't try to shortcut it. Heart of God toward the poor. Heart of God toward the poor. You type that in, one reading plan is going to pop up. When you type heart of God toward the poor, that reading plan was created by Convoy of Hope, who we're going to team up with next week to do the one day to feed the world. They'll take you on a 14-day reading adventure to discover what God's heart is toward the poor. I would encourage you to do that. Another thing that you can do right here in our backyard is you can go down or you can call Crossroad Mission. You can volunteer. Volunteer. Or maybe go down and donate. Find out what their current needs are and participate and be a part of it. Another thing I want to encourage you to do, though, is really important. Bring someone that's in poverty close to you. The greatest curse of poverty isn't the fact that people don't have money. The greatest curse of poverty is the mindset of poverty that gets passed from one generation to the next generation. How do you break the curse of the mindset of poverty? You bring someone that's poor close to you and you disciple them to think differently. This is, this is beyond even discipling them to know Christ. Because you can know Christ, be poor, and spend eternity with heaven. I would much rather that be my story. Than to be, you know, fully rich, not know God, and go to hell. But it has nothing to do with finances. So you disciple them with the message of Jesus, but they also need to be discipled in how to think like a middle-class person. Because if you're in poverty, you need someone to come alongside you and help you think that way. There's someone that you know, bring them alongside of you and help them. Another thing that you can do is right outside in the lobby, and this is very limited, there's only 40 kids we can do this with and 80 gifts that you can participate with, but this year we're going to do Angel Tree Ministry, which helps to minister to the children of people that are incarcerated. They've asked us if we would help them provide gifts for their children while they're in incarceration. So instead of judging them why they're there, why don't we just minister to their children? There's 40 of them and 80 gifts that can be purchased. It's going to go fast. It's probably going to disappear today. So if you want to help some kids that are most likely living with grandma or grandpa or an aunt or an uncle, or they're living in foster care, or they're living with a single parent that's just scraping by the working poor of our world or the orphan, then you're going to want to go out to the Angel Tree Ministry table today and pick a kid and participate with that. You buy the gift and you're also going to be able to deliver it in person. Last but not least, the faith promise card. Giving, giving 
a missions offering here at New Life is a way that you can participate in meeting the needs of the poor. Last week, we gave you an opportunity to do that. This week, I'm going to do it again while the worship team plays. If you want to fill out one of those cards and you didn't participate last week, come up and lay it on this stage. That's a way that you can participate. But just do something. Proverbs 31.9 says this to us about the application of our message. Speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. Speak up for them. Do something, even if it's incidental, even if it's indirect. Get involved in a personal way and determine, determine today that no matter what else happens, the, the need of poverty will not go invisible to you. But why? What should the motive? What should the motive be? The motive should be found out of our passage in Matthew. And it's one thing to memorize a scripture. It's another thing to put a scripture into context. I wanted to put our passage, Matthew chapter 25, verses 35 and 36, I wanted to put them into context for you today. What's the motive of why we should minister to the poor? Verse 31, Jesus speaks and he says, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence. And he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me and I was thirsty and you gave me a drink and I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me and I was in prison and you visited me. Then those who are on the right that are righteous, those righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on the left and he'll say, away with you, you cursed ones, into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. And I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then the ones on the left will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked and sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment. But the righteous will go into eternal life. Wow. Puts a whole different perspective on quoting a nice little scripture, when I was hungry, you fed me. Or when I was thirsty. When I was traveling to Haiti, I was going through many different airports and I'm walking down the center of the corridor with my backpack and all of a sudden I hear, beep, beep. Beep, beep, get out of the way. And all of a sudden you get out of the way and one of those carts comes racing by and you're wondering to yourself, how did you guys get on the cart and why am I walking? And then you're walking along and here comes one down. You start to see people and they're scattering to the right and to the left and the cart comes through and beep, beep. And 
You've got to make a decision. Which way am I going to go, right or left? But I'm not going to stay in the middle because that dude's going to run me over. You've got to make a quick decision to the right or to the left. And today, you need to make a decision. Are you going to jump to the right or are you going to jump to the left? Are you going to be the ones in the, in the last of days that stand before the throne of God and God says, yes, well done. You fed the hungry. You brought water to the thirsty. You put clothes on those who had none. You brought strangers into your home. You ministered to them. You took care of the sick. You visited those who were in prison. Because those people stand on the right. Or he said there's a whole other group that refused to do anything. You know what I know about you? You're not refusing to do something. You're not refusing to minister to the needs of the poor and the needy. You're just needing an opportunity. And you know what today's message was? was to open up your eyes so that something that's been invisible to you, that you've been driving by and the needs that are, live inside of our community and around the world might become visible so that the day you stand before God, God looks at Jeff Baker and he says, Pastor, well done. You helped your congregation stand on the right. And I'm saying to you, stand on the right. God's throne is in the middle. You've got to jump to one side or the other. Which side are you going to stand on today? Why don't you stand with me today? Fathers, we stand with you. We come to you with hearts that we want to know your will. We want to know you. We want, we want to please you. God, we, we want to work with you. Work with your heart to minister to the needs of the poor and the needy. We, we want to reach out to them. We want to, we want to help them in any way possible. But God, to do it, we need our eyes opened up. We need our physical eyes to be open so that we can see this invisible need that's all around us. Half of, half of the world lives with $2.50 or less a day. 80% of the world lives with $10 or less a day. Some of those people, Lord, they're in Buffalo County. Help us to be extensions of your love. We can't take care of all the problems. But that's your job. We can't fix everybody. That's your job. But our job is just to be obedient to you. And let the results fall where they fall. Where they fall. So don't, don't let us get caught judging before we react. Let us just be found in simple obedience to you. Ministering to the needs of the broken and of the hungry and of the poor and the needy. In Jesus' name.